You're listening to Rust Belt Running. Running is what makes me realize that, like, I'm a human being who is worth something. That is not a good measurement of my value as a human. We get between eight and 10,000 additional comments, and I read every one of them. So you had to run Sand Run for your first. You become race director and take it out. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's got to be old guy naked in the locker room. I, I get to spend time with my friend Adam. I get to do something with my friend. Right now, I'm not thinking much beyond what I'm going to be drinking next week at this time. Coleslaw on a taco is not taco, it's barbecue. And so we'll be discussing tonight with some occasional swear words from Andrew because he's upset. And that's okay. I know him as the biggest Kid Rock fan around. You rap that. <laughs> oh, dear God. You're listening to Rust Belt Running. I'm Adam Wheeler. You can find me on social media at, Wheel, uh, social media at Wheels Up in CLE. Joined as I always am by Andrew Hedinger, who you can find on social media. Andrew runs a lot. If you want to find the podcast on social media, you can find us at Rust Belt Running. And I'm sorry that I stumbled. I am trying to find a good ice fishing place in Hudson today, Andrew. <laughs> I'm excited uh, about the prospect well, <laughs> of ice fishing. Yeah. Um, How are you doing, uh, bud? My, I'm, it's, well, it's afternoon as we're recording this and I'm in pajama pants still and my unemployment beard is growing by the day. And yeah, so I, I think I woke up at like 1030 today. I've really, I'm really doing this unemployment thing, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I got all the time in the world to go ice fishing. I mean, it sounds like, you know, we, we got, we got the roadblock out of the way up there to, to have some fun as they're, uh, the yeah. data points didn't line up for the mayor and he had to, uh, he, he resigned this morning. You know, there's so many great things about this story. One of them is that there are those stories that you tell somebody and you get to like the epic conclusion of your story and your friend can be like, yeah, no, other things must have happened in there because you went way too fast. And when I told some coworkers about this last week, they're like, wait, he went from ice fishing to prostitution in 20 seconds. Like, there's no way. What else happened? I'm like, no, let me show you the video. In 20 seconds, this guy goes, we can't let people fish on the ice because if they want to do that, then next they're going to want ice shanties. And if they do that, it will lead to prostitution. And the guy sitting next to him. Oh, my gosh. His face is like, what? You know what it reminded me of? And I told my wife this because, like, the mayor looks like dead in that guy's like just right into his soul as he's saying it it reminds me of you know like those those videos that um you'll see on social media it's like they'll tell dad jokes or something back and forth one person tries to make the other person laugh like paul rudd has been in um the cleveland guardians had a series of them um that's what it looked like to me it looked to me like he was trying to make that dude laugh you could even see like his shoulders jerk in like an initial um ha ha but then he like held it together yeah but the the mayor just stares at him oh my goodness it was uh, and then he follows it up with just data points to consider after offering no data whatsoever no no uh you know and it's it's great because he the guy resigns i should probably know his name it doesn't matter something schubert the best part, like, if, if you're not from the area, Hudson is, like, 
you're talking about being mayor of Hudson has to be the easiest job in the world. Hudson is one of like the like richest suburbs in Ohio. There's no, there's not going to be any issues with crime. There's not going to be any issues with the community, like needing repairs, new construction, anything like that. Like Hudson is loaded. And so all you got to do is just go make sure that the, the budget's kept in check and you're, you're good. And this guy destroys being able to do that. And then he, in his resignation letter, I'm going to quote him because this is great. My comments at Tuesday's workshop were made out of concern for our community. What could become of unintended consequences of new legislation based on my prior television news reporting experience? My attempt to inject a bit of dry humor to make a point about this in the midst of a cold, snowy February was grossly misunderstood. Some in our community saw this as an opportunity to engage in the politics of personal destruction by means of character assassination, blaming me for the negative international press they helped promote. You know, you wanted to talk about Michaela Schifrin, and in a, we- in a weird way, this transitions us perfectly to that. Please tell me how. <laughs> because... Um, you know, you're, you're talking about how in a press conference she stands up and she has to own her defeat. Yeah, he does the exact opposite of that, yes. De- deflecting his defeat and and the need for his resignation onto other people. But he said something so asinine, yeah, that it, we're taking it in its context. Like you gave us no other context to take it in, no. providing us no data points, and you just went from ice fishing. To shanties, that's logical. To prostitution. (laughs) You skipped like the 45 other steps that would have had to get you to ice shanty prostitution in Hudson, Ohio. (laughs) And and so, yeah, he deflects the entire thing in that. And yeah, in a weird way, it, it, that brings us full circle to an actual like athletic story that we would like to talk about, which would be Michaela Schifrin. Yeah. You like how I did that was that was pretty good. Uh, I that's like I went to school for this or something. I did I not see that pivot coming, but you you nailed it, bud. That's good work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I have not been able to watch as much of the Olympics as I would want to. Um one is, you know, you brought it up and we were talking beforehand. Like the Winter Olympics, I think, are tough because not many people participate in a lot of these sports. Um I I don't pay attention to any of them outside of the Olympics. And two is being in the Eastern hemisphere. Like the live events are happening when I'm asleep. And with, with 20 years ago, you could wait for the primetime coverage because you could avoid all the results. But now with apps and everything, like I wake up and I've got like what you missed overnight alerts on my phone. But Michaela Schifrin's story is really interesting to me because skiing is one of those sports that does tend to get a little bit more attention than some of the others. And Michaela Schifrin is really good at what she does. Like she is the most decorated skier, like men or women skiing right now. She's just blown away the world cup circuit, but it hasn't, it just hasn't happened for her at the Olympics. I first became aware of her in 2018 when NBC billed her as the Michael Phelps of skiing, which mm-hmm. by, by 2018 Phelps has concluded his career. So you're weighing that against like, not just what he did in one Olympics, but what he's done for his entire career. That's longevity and excellence over two decades. And she had a good but not great Olympics. I think she won one gold and two silvers. There was two silvers and one gold or two golds and one silver. But regardless, she had a good but not like Michael Phelps in Olympics. So those expectations were on her again. And 
I think she failed to get out of the first two events that she skied. And in the third one, she finally finished it. But she didn't medal. She finished ninth. And NBC was was really criticized for some of their coverage of her. And, you know, you talked about how she she stood up. She gave an interview. And I want to, again, quote her because I think it's important to quote directly. She gets up and she says, it's a failure. And it's okay to say that. And that I'm okay with that. And I'm sorry for it. But I was also trying and I'm proud of that. And it blows me away, number one, that Olympian feels they have to discuss being okay with failing. That, right. that that's like not considered an acceptable part of the sport. She does go on to talk about, though, that something that's come out of it was that in this moment um, in which she's severely underperforming the Olympics, I would have never felt that humans could be so kind. And that it's the most surprising thing of of her Olympic experience is how so many people have been kind in the face of her failure. I'm glad she's experiencing that because some of the comments I've read on social media, I went down rabbit holes and I wish I hadn't. Yeah. have just been so toxic and so negative. Like she's got to get herself up and dust herself off. That's the American way. Shut up, man. Yeah. I did. I did that with Simone Biles over the summer. Yeah. It's the same exact dialogue. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of that where it's just like, I mean, you have no idea what it's like to compete at that level of anything no. in your life. Like, no. you're not as good at your job as Michaela Schifrin and Simone Biles are at what they do. Yeah. Um, and to not understand the um, the the like, I was watching. Uh, I I just left NBC on after the Super Bowl last night, and so mm-hmm. I watched uh, the women's mono Bob um, Bob sledding. And, uh, um, then I watched uh, just after that was ice dancing and I, I wasn't like super intrigued by it. It was just kind of on in the background, but like, as I watched these scores, like, and, and you're watching these times in these, this bobsled, you're talking like two tenths of a second are the difference between like first and bronze. Like yeah. that these, these athletes have no margin for error. And, um, like to operate at that level and have no room for error and have so much expected of you and to have like these just total douchebags who are like, you're wearing the stars and stripes. So you better represent us. Well, it's like, no, it's an honor to represent us, but it shouldn't be a like, they're, they're not fighting a war here. Right. Like this isn't life or death. This isn't, you know, the red scare, this isn't what we have in Russia and Ukraine right now. This is, this is sport and we're there and we want to see our athletes represent our country well, but I, I, I want to, I, I think this is a great representation of our country. If, if you, you know, S- Simone Biles being a champion for mental health over the summer yeah, and, and now Michaela Schifrin, you know, kind of being a champion of failure. Uh, failure is a step in, you know, it, like in in, athl- in athletics, we, we don't have we don't get to go from ice fishing to prostitution in two steps. <laughs> That's not something we get to do. It, we, it takes it takes many, many steps to get there. We don't get to cut the steps out. See, I'm, I'm bringing it all back. Um, and now uh, I was so stoked in how I brought it all back. I forgot where I was going with it. Um, we, we don't get to skip steps. And, and failure is part of those steps. And, and, and Michaela Schifrin is taking some of those steps. She's still only what, like 26 years old, 27 years old. I think she's even younger and, than that. And uh, she, she's going to have a, uh, she's 26. 26. Yeah. 
um, she's going to have a chance to redeem herself. Yeah. And, and that, re that redemption is, um, is, is going to be sweeter than, uh, you know, just a straight line success. I think it's so difficult too, because, you know, obviously the Olympics are, you know, there are big moments and I think there are big moments for spectators because there's, there's a brand behind it, but it's not the only moment for a lot of these competitors. They compete in a lot of off year competitions that are, you know, as big and in some cases bigger for some of them. Right. And, um, you know, so we're, we're putting our, our expectations on them. And, and, you know, you talked about how it's, they're representing our country and, and fans bring that, that sort of, some fans bring that sort of nationalistic attitude towards it, but athletes don't owe us anything in terms of like having to cater, I think, to our expectations of what we want out of them. Right. Like they're professionals working for themselves and working for the people closest to them. And I'm glad, like I said, that she's gotten a lot of positivity in response to this because there's been plenty of negativity. And it's like, when you see that negativity, like, why would you care what some of these random fans think when all they're going to do is, is shit on you when you don't perform up to what we expect? And that's such a negative part of, of our sports culture, unfortunately, that, that we think that we can be the guy on the couch. You know, you and I, we talk a lot about performance. You and I don't have access to, to elite performers. We do probably more reading and listening and watching to elite performers than maybe the average person does because we're interested in it uh, because of the podcast that we have. But it isn't like we have firsthand experience doing any of this. And so if you and I don't have that firsthand experience, the average fan has even less. It's like, if you're going to bring that negative attitude and with social media, now you can bring it right to their doorstep. Why are you going to care about what the average fan thinks if the average fan is just going to be so shitty about when you don't live up to what they wanted. Right. And I, that I struggle with that. Well, I think we've seen it a lot here in Cleveland over the last, yeah. I mean, even up to last night. <laughs> I mean, it with, it's, it's so bad. I mean, but with, and I don't want to go, I don't want to go into the Baker Mayfield stuff. That's not no. even talk about the Browns, but I think just in general, like you, you see it with, with, um, with professional athletes at, you know, at every sport at every level. And, you know, OBJ last night, people are shitting on him. Oh, we we're trying to keep it where we didn't cuss. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, people are dogging OBJ, um, you know, just nonstop because of, you know, how he left Cleveland and whatever. It's like, dude, the dude's still a tremendous athlete. And look at what his teammates still say about him. Like still tweeting last night, Cleveland Browns teammates tweeting like congratulations to him. It's about time and stuff like that. Like you, you guys act like, you know, all these people and you don't like, you don't know anything of what happens behind the scenes. You don't, and we don't know what it's like to have their mindset. I remember after game five of the world series, that was the game where the Braves had, they hit a grand slam in the first inning. And it was mm -hmm. like, and it was a, could have been a clinching game. We're up three, one in the series. Yeah. And, uh, you open up the game with a grand slam. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to win. Like yeah. it just felt that way right off the rip. We're going to close this out at home. This is incredible. 
things changed. We ended up losing the game and we ended up losing kind of decisively too. And I remember my mom was like, Oh my gosh, we're going to lose the series. We're not going to win again. And I was like, mom, yeah, if they had our mindset, we definitely wouldn't. We're fans. Like they're professionals. You know what? They showed up at the ballpark game six in Houston, ready to play another game. There was no defeatist attitude amongst the Braves players. It's a different mindset. And we, we, I think we struggle a lot of times as fans watching these professionals to understand that they're just, they, they, they are a different breed, not just physically, but mentally sometimes. And um, I don't know if that's relevant at all to what we're talking about with Michaela Schifrin. Cause I think in some ways she's being more of a real person about it. But um, I, I think it's just it's going into our expectation of them. Like, I don't know. It's it's weird. Everything's so bizarre. No, I, I think you had on a couple of good points there. Um, one thing I will say is that it wasn't just the fans that were kind of shitting on the Browns when it came to yesterday. And I'd already broken the seal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the, the commentary of the Al game Michaels and Chris night, Collins like, that was so out yeah. of – like, if you're going to be in the media and calling games, you've got to make an attempt to know what actually went down. Right. Yeah, no, um, I, I agree with that, I, even though I, I – yeah, I, I agree with that. Because you're not wrong about the fans at all. Um, You know, and what's weird is that I – so I'm not going to – number one, if you cheer an injury for anybody, like, you're just a bad person. Right. Yep. Don't do that. Um, the guy did, the guy did by all signs and indications quit on the team. And and you are right to note that we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I think we probably know 10% of what's really going on behind the scenes and we need to, we need to be okay, not knowing and just kind of like the wait and see attitude. And I know that it's tough with 24 seven coverage of sports and social media, but just simply being like, you know what? We don't know enough to be able to draw any conclusions needs to be an okay response and just walk away. Um, but I, you are right in that, you know, this is a business to them. I think something that I learned after LeBron left Cleveland the first time is that these guys, they don't approach this as fans. This is a business to them. And that business can encompass a whole lot of things. It can encompass, you know, the prospect of winning championships. It can encompass just wanting to live somewhere and maybe not caring if it's going to get you a championship. That might mean going and making more money. Like you and I have both probably considered leaving jobs that were good jobs that were going to pay more money elsewhere because, hey, we got to pay bills. And yeah, when guys are making seven figures, it's easy for the average fan to be like, well, you know, he's got enough money. But everybody knows when you when you make more money, you tend to spend more money. It's that happens. And they they're not doing this until they're 65, exactly. 68, 70 years old. They're doing yeah. this for like five or six years. Yeah. Sometimes not even that much. Exactly. Um, so I, you know, I just, it's a business to them. Okay. This is a job. They go and they punch the clock and I promise you, they deal with a lot of crappy things, Olympians, professional athletes physically to get their bodies ready to play the game. Just like a full time job. Yeah. And so just like you and I go to jobs that, you know, might take care of the, the needs that we have. There's also parts of those jobs where we roll our eyes and go, God, I can't believe I have to deal with this again. It's the same for the athletes. They're not playing pickup games like we used to enjoy when we were young kids. That's not what their jobs are. Um, so it's like, as a fan, support your teams, but you've also got to recognize that like it's a job to these guys and it's a business and they're going to do what's best for them, for their family. You don't have to like how they go about doing it. My attitude has become like, if you're on my team, I back you 100%. 
when you leave, as long as it was on decent terms, there's no hard feeling. Like there's still former Browns, Indians, Cavs, you know, that I still like look and be like, oh, Corey Kluber threw a new hitter, a no hitter last year. That's badass. I love the guy. Yeah. I don't want him to beat my team, but I can still be happy that he did well. Um, but like, I don't have to, I don't have to care about them once they leave. And with Odell, I don't care about him once he left. I just don't. Yeah. Um, I think an- another thing that's uh, crazy about how we view professional athletes is um, so LeBron James, a couple, like maybe a week or two ago, posted a video because he always does these. Si- I just don't like the videos because I think they're dumb, but he's more yeah. than welcome to do what he yeah. wants LeBron's to do. He's always- LeBron's corny. Oh, yes, that's the best word for it. But he posts posts these corny videos where he's like dancing in in his car to music, which is whatever. I mean, I post videos of me playing guitar, so I don't really like I'm not going to judge him for that. I just I think they're cheesy. But somebody's like, oh, his team is what? Like they were like 26 and 28 at the time. And here he is doing this like. Yeah, the dude has to be depressed a hundred percent of the time. Like we we have just that's just where we have taken the humanity out of these athletes altogether, and um, that's a it, great word to use. And, and it's part of the reason I don't like I I do one fantasy football league, mm-hmm. uh, but that's it. And I yeah. used to do I used to do a bunch of them. I used to be really into fantasy football, but I do the one just because it we've t- this was our twentieth year. So like I just do it because I'm I, we I've been playing with these guys forever. Yeah. And um, but I uh, what I hate about fantasy football is like you get mad at guys for getting injured. Yeah, like they want to get injured. Right. And, and I that was part of that. That was something that I, I I started to kind of struggle with was was the idea that I'm getting mad at some dude because he got injured. Yeah. And. Like, how appropriate is that? Like, how human is that? And the answer is it isn't. And, um, you know, the guy is only worth to me what his injury designation and projected points are. Yeah. And and that's wrong. And that's, that's, you know, how we're viewing Michaela Schifrin right now. That's how we viewed, um, that's how we view LeBron James with those corny videos. That's, that's how we view OBJ with whatever else might've happened. Like there's, and, and, you know, Simone Biles, there's so many different, you know, Baker Mayfield, people like can't wrap their heads around the fact that the dude was injured, whether or not he should have played injured is a, you know, that that's a completely different discussion, but yeah. you know, again, not for us to decide, like we're not there in the building. And, um, you know, I, I mean, if he gambled on himself, he lost a lot of money regardless. Yeah. Um, and, uh, if it was his decision, I think he made a bad one <laughs> based on his performance. Like that's the data I'm going off of. Oh, I mean, but, yeah, how, can, how can you not? Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, um, you know what that says about his future. I don't know. And I'm not going to make any prognostications or even like, I mean, you and I have talked about that plenty. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm kind of both sides of it. I can see both sides of the, of the Baker Mayfield discussion. And I hope he works out. My son has a Baker Mayfield Jersey. I'd love mm-hmm. to not have to buy him a new one. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like we, 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 we take the humanity out of these players. And I was so guilty of it when LeBron left, uh, the oh. first time I oh, was, man. I mean, I hated him. I mean, yes. I, I see things on my time hop that I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could never run for office. If I do, I have to go back and delete these. Like, I, I just, I say stuff that is just so 
I mean, just makes me cringe. And I don't delete it because in some ways I like to see how I've developed as I've yeah. gotten older. Um, but I... Uh, and right I, there, right there. You know, so your way of using that word humanity ties together everything we've talked about so far. But then you bring up the fact that you go back and look at these things that we said and thought, what, that was 10, 12 years ago now? Yeah. We've grown as people. Right. Why we assume that athletes aren't going to grow, that they are what they are in this moment, when we ourselves grow tremendously. Because I do the same thing. Like For me, it's the time hop is always the whatever day it was when Miami lost to Dallas. There's got to be 15 posts. It was. It was. As a fan, it was. There's got to be 15 posts on Facebook from that night of me just roasting LeBron. And to be fair, LeBron made it really easy. (laughs) Right. And this is again why I really respect Michaela Schifrin for standing up and saying it's a failure and we can it's okay to admit that. Because the comment I always remember from LeBron's post-game presser after that was people asking him, like, you know, what do you what do you think about fans that are celebrating this tonight? And I was one of them. Yeah. And his comment was they have to go back to their lives tomorrow and I get to go back to mine. And it's like, that was a huge middle finger to a right. lot of people. And it's like, dude, if you want the spotlight, this is what happens. Right. Um, but I just, I've grown so much since then. You've grown so much since then. And why we assume that athletes can't do that, or they don't get the dignity of being able to do that. Right. LeBron just, has grown since then. <laughs> I mean, LeBron, LeBron has. And when, you know, when I bring up Baker Mayfield to people, I tell them a lot, a lot of what, the season end with reminds me a little bit of LeBron after that series. Like to me, that's where Baker is in terms of his development. LeBron went away after that series into the off season. And the big remake he made for himself was to finally stop caring about what everybody thought. Right. Because that's all he did that first season in Miami. There was that, I don't know if you remember, were you living in the area at the time? 2010? Uh, I, I, we moved, um, we were here during the Mavericks finals. We were okay. in Austin during the OKC finals. Okay. So there was an ad that came out that year, maybe halfway through that season, that first season in Miami. It was a Nike ad and it was his, the ad was, what should I do? Yeah. And they used all this, all these images of like the banner coming down in Cleveland, some of like footage from him at St. Vincent, St. Mary's. And basically it was like, Oh, you guys are upset with me. Well, what should I do? Like, the reaction was in his head that entire season. And that's why he crumbled on that biggest stage. Yeah. And he went away and he stopped caring about what everybody thought. And that like true assassin LeBron is what came out of that, that off season. And so when I talk to people about Baker, my thought is like physically, like we know what he can be. It's probably mentally where he's probably most screwed up right now. If he goes away this off season and does the same thing, he can be a really good player. But that's up to him because, like, the guy clearly just obsesses over what people say to him about right. him. And you can't do a Michaela Schiffer and accept failure if you're going to constantly be trying to find every negative thing somebody says about you. Right. You got to grow beyond it. Um, sticking with uh, the Olympics, uh, there yeah. was, we, we, we saw, we, we got word a few hours ago. There, there's been a story of, um, of a 15 year old Russian figure skater. Um, and if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know how we feel about any doping. Uh, we, we don't, 
we don't appreciate it. No. And um, but sh- there's a 15 year old uh, figure skater from Russia. Oh, sorry. The um, uh, what what do they call it? the ROC? Yeah, um, Russian Olympic. What, what does that even stand for? I don't know. Look it up. Um, but uh, yeah, so she's a Russian figure skater, Russian Olympic Confederation, maybe. I'm guessing. Um, and she's tested positive for uh, doping. Uh, there, I, I don't have the drug that she tested positive for in front of me. Um, it's but... like a heart. It's like a heart endurance sort of drug. Yeah. Like it's going to build heart endurance, I believe. Russian uh, Russian Olympic Committee. Committee. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she she tested positive for um, a banned substance, and she's 15. Okay, so that that's the first part that's messed up. Is she's 15. Yes. And um, I, I think Steve Magnus has the most the both parts of how messed up this is. Um, she's but she's being allowed to skate. So Steve Magnus on Twitter just a couple hours ago. This is nuts. Athlete caught with performance enhancing drugs is allowed to compete. I feel sorry for her as she's 15 year. She's a 15 year old girl who someone else likely doped. But her competitors aren't getting are getting a very raw deal. Someone likely to miss a medal because of doping. The system is broken. Mm-hmm. And so this is like, I mean, this is really a Pandora's box of issues because you have a 15 year old girl who in some ways shouldn't be punished because she prob- she's 15 for God's sake. Right. Like I do struggle to think that she knew what she was taking and that it was a banned substance. Um, I, I think it is highly like, I think it is more likely that she didn't know than Barry Bonds didn't know. Let's put it that way. Is that fair? <laughs> it is. Yeah. We were talking about growing up earlier. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's, it's, it's more likely that she did not know what was taking place with her body, but yes, at the same time, her competitors are, uh, now at a disadvantage. So it's like you can punish just one person or you can punish everybody else besides that one person, right. which is what they chose to do. And I cannot understand for the life of me uh, where the IOC wants to go with doping and drugs. I, I, I can't, there's no continuity. Um it doesn't make any sense to me because you brought it up before we recorded uh, Shikari Richardson. Yeah. He tested positive for weed, not a performance enhancing drug. They describe it as a performance enhancing drug because it can help you relax before competition. Okay. That is their Cause I, I, before I, I went down to physical therapy today, I was looking up some of that cause Shikari Richardson was the comparison. A lot of people brought up and that's the reason it's considered banned. Cause it can relax you. I'm not going to argue with you because that's not you saying it, but that is absolutely. Oh, no, it's (laughs) that is so stupid. It is 100 percent absolutely nuts. Um, So does that mean we shouldn't meditate because it can relax you before competition? Have a glass of wine the night before because it could help you go to sleep. I mean, come on. Like, but no, a 15 year old, because she probably didn't know um, that she was. No, this is I just I can't. 
like I think that's like the biggest part of this. Well, the biggest part of the story is the 15 year old's life could be completely messed up now sure. because she was forced to dope at 15. Um, but I, I think, you know, just what it shows to the IOC and the lack of continuity, consistency and any sense made. Um, it just it doesn't exist with them. There, I, there's I can't. Well, you know, so. They clearly up to this point. The reason that Russian athletes have to compete under the ROC flag is because Russia as a country has been banned from the Olympics because there has been extensive, extensive evidence that they engage in state sponsored doping, that this isn't like one athlete with their coaches going out and breaking the rules, but that it is overseen by Russian officials and that it is widespread. So we know that that's the case. And the idea here is like, well, we don't want to punish the individual athletes. And there's a part of me that that does understand that to the extent that right. if you're an athlete like, you know, this figure skater who truly doesn't know if that's the case, uh, what she's ingesting, then you don't want to punish them. But clearly it's not working right? because this is still happening. And so what I come back to that is like, the only way you're going to change it is if you truly leverage penalties on Russia. If Russia didn't care, they wouldn't be doing it. The only way you're going to get Russia to stop is if you leverage actual penalties, such as you can't come to the Olympics at all. And I understand that Russia historically is this big country and we don't want to upset them, but who gives a shit? Like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? They're going to go bomb the IOC? Like, let Russia figure that out. Well, yes, there is that. (laughs) Um, but it's like, so you, you give them all these little backdoors into the Olympics to avoid really taking care of what the actual issue is, which is that Russia does this, continues to do it. And you just don't want to take that final step of saying, sorry, like we can't. And that's going to suck for their athletes. But you know what? They're going to be forced you know, to change that. You know what? Their, their athletes can go to other countries and get citizenship. I mean, that's we true. see it. I mean, look at track and field. Like yeah. there's not just sick in a field of like 20 i'm pulling numbers out of my ass here uh, of 20 people on a track there aren't just eight eastern east african runners out there right it's like all east african runners who are running under the netherlands flag the french flag like um i i mean shoot what's um what's her name from the netherlands um i can't she's destroyed the olympics this year Oh no. I'm blanking too. Um I have to get it track shirt. Oh not her. Dang it. Oh Hassan. Um you know she's not yeah. from the Netherlands. Yeah. And uh so yeah, make 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 Russian Russian athletes you, you use ban Russia. They if you know if they're individual athletes, they can, you know, get citizenship elsewhere. I don't mm-hmm. know how easy that is for them right, from, you know, from Russia, but put the onus on them to figure it out. Then they're running under organizations or performing under organizations that aren't, um, you know, so closely tied to doping. I mean, they, yeah. they were the ROC in the, how long have they been the ROC? Like how long has Russia been it, banned for? I think at least through, well, so it was, was 2018, the Sochi Olympics. Uh, 2018, 2018 was Pyeongchang. Okay. So I think at least goes back to Pyeongchang. I think, when the Sochi Olympics happened in 2014, I don't believe that they were, I don't think they had changed then. 
Oh, between December 17th, 2020 and December 17th, 2022, no athlete can represent Russia at the oh, Olympics. Oh, really? It's trailer. that recent? Yeah, that... I thought I went further back. I, I did, I did too. But either way. Um, oh, so two-year ban. Woo, that, that does a whole lot. But it's, it's not a ban. That's just it. It's, right. not, it's not. It's not. Yeah, they can't fly the flag. They can't play the anthem. Putin still gets to show up. And um, yeah, so there we go. That's that's what we that's where we are with the IOC. But Shikari Richardson can't run because she smokes weed to help with her nerves after what her birth mother passed away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shelby Houlihan got a just punishment. Yeah. This 15 year old skater doesn't. It's crazy. I mean, it's just absolutely bonkers. But there we are. You know what else was bonkers? The halftime show last night. Finally having a halftime show that yes. catered to millennials. We're running the world now, boomers. Step aside. Yeah, yeah. Gen X and uh, millennials, we were pretty pretty pumped with last night. Well, oh. early, early millennials like me. I mean, I'm like, I, I'm on the like cusp of that like Gen X millennial uh line kind of kind of like too. you are i'm yeah like i'm considered a millennial but there's also like some people talk about this like subgenre of millennials that like didn't get cell phones until after what did they call school. well i think they millennials yeah. another word i think is geriatric millennials which whoa, is like whoa, i know whoa. i know uh geriatric millennial google right now Informally known as geriatric millennials, a term popularized by author and leadership expert era, Erica Dewan to refer to those born in the first five years of the generation or between 1981 and 1985. This group straddles the digital divide between older and younger generations in the workplace. Geriatric millennials. So that's I'm going to go with millennials. I like it better. <laughs> I've never actually heard geriatric millennials, and now I want to smack people that coined that term. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So uh, it was funny because I, I had to work. It's Valentine's Day weekend, and I've, I have not worked a Super Bowl in years. But it was Valentine's Day weekend, so I wasn't able to get it off, even though we were not busy at all. So I'm at the bar, and I got a couple of regulars in, and they are, they are typical boomers. And for as delighted as I was, they were horrified. And I'm just thinking, like, yeah, you've had everything catered to you guys for, like, the last 30 years. It's my time now. Right. It's my time. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely a throwback. Oh, and God, I yeah. I I hope that I have the energy of Dre or Snoop when I am that age. Like one, I hope I look that good too. Um, I guess weed is a hell of a drug. I guess maybe they were right on Shikari Richardson. I don't know, but um, I yeah, I would um, I would love to have that that level of energy and swagger at the age of 56 is uh, how old i believe dre is now oh my god but um yeah oh. that do that that brought the heat and it was oh. it was fun to like see it blow up on social i didn't know what to expect um i didn't either but i i expected to enjoy it but i thought you know some of it was just going to be like strictly nostalgia mm -hmm. i didn't think i was going to actually sit there and enjoy it and be like oh my gosh i need to watch that again and yeah, but that's, that's what we got. I, I had to watch it again and it was, uh, it was just as good the second time as it was the first time. I, um, I was transported that you talk about nostalgia. Like I was transported back to being on the school bus 
with what have what would have then been like an actual portable CD player. Yeah. Listening to their albums going to a high school soccer game. Like that's what I would have been listening to. My sister in our family chat sent a picture. She still has all of her old CDs and like those big CD holders, like that you could fit like four CDs on a page. Yeah. She sent out a picture and it was like, there's her Limp Biscuit CDs, there's her Snoop Dogg CDs, there's her Eminem CDs. It's like, oh man, nostalgia. Yeah. Just through the roof. And I I loved it. Like, is this what it's like to be catered to as a generation? Is this what it's gonna be like? Yeah, I mean, shoot, who have the I know last year was the weekend. Let let's I'm gonna pull up the um Super Bowl halftime shows. There was uh, also that Austin Powers commercial that I didn't think was that funny, but it was just an Austin Powers commercial right. with all the actors. And I'm like, yes, this is this is childhood. Yeah. I yeah, you know, I didn't get super crazy into the commercials. I don't uh, either because the commercials now that they get released early and you can watch them on YouTube and there's like a hundred articles are like these are the commercials that we offer the Super Bowl. It, the the whole viewing them factor live is gone. Yeah, like the commer- there, There's two commercials I remember from the Super Bowl from when I was a kid. One was the Air Jordan Hair Jordan commercial that came out right around the time that. Um, oh no, I'm blanking on the movie. What was the movie that Jordan did and that LeBron just remade? Space Jam. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm getting old. Um, that Geriatric. year they did the Air Jordan Hair Jordan commercial and it aired once in the first half and once in the second half. And if you didn't see it, like that was it. You couldn't go back and see it again. There was no YouTube or anything to go watch it on. And the other one I remember were the uh, Budweiser Frogs. Yeah. And those were the two that I remember. But, like, you had to sit there and watch because there was no other outlet. And now, like, it's not even – I wonder – I would love to know business-wise because obviously they still pay a crap ton of money to get spots aired. I want to know if it still pays out with everything getting released beforehand now. Okay, so I'm pulling – I pulled up all the um... – Yeah, what have we had lately? All right, so obviously we had Dre, Snoop, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick last night. Oh, 50 Cent showed up. Uh, last year we had The Weeknd. Um, so the year in 2020, we did have Shakira and J-Lo, which is garbage, but I will say that would still be our generation. Um, then we had Maroon 5 in Atlanta, which uh, somebody had tweeted out uh, how um, how this made them feel about the Super Bowl halftime show we had in Atlanta. And it's like what could have been, but we got Maroon yes. 5. It's yes. like, I mean, you could have had Outcast, like a number of amazing acts uh from Atlanta come out. And nope, we uh we got Maroon 5. Uh then we had Justin Timberlake. If I remember that one was actually really good. Um Lady Gaga, she killed it. Timberlake the sequel. Um <laughs> Apparently Snoop Dogg smoked weed right before he performed yesterday. <laughs> That's not news. No, it's just great. <laughs> it's great because you know there's a bunch of pearl clutching people out there that are like, oh my god, these artists. Oh man, weed. so I we had a group chat with my mom for some reason. My yep. sister-in-law started it right before a halftime show. Like Susan, we know you're the OG uh, in this family. Like and sent like a. My mom is not at all. Um, but I had sent to the group thread um, right after <laughs> 50 Cent. And I was like, um, I can feel mom. They're, they're in North Carolina right now. They're not in Ohio. It's like, I can feel mom's gasps and eye rolls at all the booty shaking from Ohio. 
like i know that she's with like our super conservative christian family at the time i could just sense that she was just like oh my god this is so inappropriate this is a super bowl there's so many people watching this but they're children like i know my dad didn't text anything but like it was my brother my sister (laughs) my brother-in-law my sister-in-law all of us were super like that that that's the only people to talk during that halftime show. Cause I know that my parents were like, my parents aren't as prude about that stuff, but I know yeah. my dad was like, what the hell is this? Like it's my generation taking over dad. All right. 2007 was probably the greatest halftime show of all time though. That was Prince. Print, yeah. When people that talk was... about yesterday being the best, it's like it was good, but Prince doing purple rain. Yeah, no, that was, that was sick. But Prince yeah. is, he, he's so, he, he transcends generation. Um, he does. And I mean, I guess some of these artists do, but you know, this is very, um, uh, let's just, I'm just going to go. Prince was right in the middle of this. We had Paul McCartney, the Rolling Stones, Prince, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band and the Who. Now, I love absolutely all of those artists, yes. especially the who, uh, but yeah, they never should have been performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. Like I think too, when you look at like one thing I've never understood about football is the amount of country music that is played like during like cuts to commercial and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Cause like, that's the predominant music that is played generally. Yeah. And like most of these athletes are black and probably really enjoyed the, um, you know, without being stereotypical, I'm just being right. It, the halftime show last night, um, just like, you know, I mean, a lot of us white people did too, uh, because it was such a throwback. And um, I mean, I remember listening to that stuff in my disc man on the school bus. Hell Yeah. But uh, yeah, like you, you I, I feel like the NFL just miscasts so much of this and they did get it right last night. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that Evan McPherson from the Bengals just sat on the bench and watched it. Yeah. Are you not needed at halftime? <laughs> like he's a kicker. No, I know. Like does the kicker not going at halftime? I, I wouldn't if I were him. I mean, he did. I think he did the right thing. I mean, what's he going to do? And the dude's been perfect in the postseason. That's true, man. He like, had a hell of a postseason. He did. I mean, he had a hell of a season. Uh, oh, dude, there was a lot of stuff talk, talked about the Bengals. Zach Taylor's not a good coach. They have no offensive line. Who's broke? Well, like, and they don't. I'm, dude, when they get an offensive line, that team is going to be. You got to stay healthy, though. You know, this is what you and I talked about yesterday. Like, yeah. The two teams there had two of the best health records over the course of the year. Oh, I mean, I don't I don't know about that. I mean, the Rams had to get uh, OBJ because they lost their number two receiver for nope. the entire season. No, they signed OBJ, and then they lost Woods that day. Because when OBJ signed, I had Woods on my fantasy team. The thought that crossed my mind was, oh, man, I hope that doesn't kill his – his number of touches. And then it came out that night that at practice, he had blown out his ACL after they'd signed. Yeah, well, whatever. They still lost Robert Woods. So, I mean, they could have used but him beyond that. Night. Like look at the Browns laundry list of injuries, man. Like they had half the team out at certain times this year. That was not the Rams and the Bengals. That's all I'm getting at. Yeah. Like, you're going to, you're going to yeah. lose a guy here and there. You are, but I'm, I'm still saying like, if you get an offensive line around Joe Burrow and you can keep him healthy. Oh yeah. Um, That, that team is going to be, ridiculously good oh, yeah, and difficult to, to keep up with for, for sure. 
for a number of years. Um, they just got to get him time. I mean, oh my gosh, that pass rush. What As soon as they started um, kind of slanting that rush up front to take the center off of Aaron Donald in the second half, it, it was over. I mean, how many sacks did they have last? They only had one in the first half. But it was seven um, when I got back to my apartment. So they had uh, sacks Super Bowl. Um, they had seven sacks. So they had six sacks after like the five minute or like yeah. five minutes left in the third quarter. Like that's insanity. They just figured out that one simple move to make that just got Aaron Donald loose. And uh, I was worried Joe Burrow tore his other ACL on that one hit he took. Um, he was walking out yesterday, but it, I mean, that looked bad. Uh, so did the Matt Stafford one. I don't know how those guys bend the way they do sometimes. Uh, Cause I mean, it looked like Joe Burrow's leg should have been held on by his sock after, um, after he got rolled up on. Yeah. But I, I thought it was a great game. Uh, you, you know, the Super Bowl was uh, good. The, or the halftime show was good. I thought the game um, was really good too. I, I would like to point out that uh, I put up a poll on our Instagram uh, asking who would win. And um, I, oh shit, come here. I, w- I was the only person who said the Rams. Everybody else said the Bengals. I wonder how so much that was, don't I wonder matter. how much that was, was people wanting like Joe Burrow or, just the, the Ohio team to win doesn't matter to me. Oh no, because that's played, what that's what I wanted. It's just not what I saw happening. What played, played out is exactly what I texted you would happen. I thought the inexperienced would get them, and that's I think that's really how it went. Yeah, I was. Yep, inexperienced. How you don't give the ball to Joe Mixon on third and fourth and one? Yeah, all those times. Yeah, that was. I I, I found that. I didn't realize that it was uh, that it was P Ryan uh, on that third and one at the end of the game. Yeah. Until the replay, and I was like, "Wait, what? Yeah. Why do you not give that to Mixon?" Um, but that's not our call to make. I mean, we had you had the same thing with the Browns against. There was one game I forget. Was that the Raiders game where just Chubb wasn't in at the end of the game? They all and, blend together to me yeah. at this point. There's very little I actually remember about this past season already. <laughs> Just dump that right into the trash can. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about running. We got ten minutes here. Yeah. So. How's, your, how's yours going? Because you had a little bit of a, a little bit of a step up last week. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I. You know. I. Well, one. I have a lot more free time on my hands right now. Yeah. Um. If you read any of the news about Peloton, I. Yep that was me. Um, but I, uh, so I have been running. I, it was tough at the end of last week. I really Thursday and Friday, I, um, Friday, especially I was not in a good place kind of mentally. I was really down. Sure. Um, and there were just kind of, it was like a sequence of, uh, of emotion last week and Friday I got paid. It wasn't my last paycheck from them mm-hmm. should be receiving one more, but there was kind of a reality when I got that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, not too much of that coming at me. Um, and uh, 
So I, I didn't run great Thursday and Friday, but Saturday I, I went to the gym and I planned on doing weights, but I was on the treadmill and I was like, let's just kind of see what's going on here. And I felt good for the first time. I felt good. And I was, it was on the treadmill because I hate the cold. I'll be on the treadmill after we get off here because mm -hmm. it's 20 degrees out. I let my dog out and I was like, yep, nope, not even, nope. Uh, but yeah, I, I was able to get eight miles in and that was, that was the most by a long shot that I've run since even October. Mm -hmm. But, uh, since having COVID I'd really had struggled, especially inside to run. I think some of it might've been the air inside can be more difficult to breathe yeah. at times. Yeah. And so maybe that is what was affecting me because I had some successful runs outside last week. And so I was like, okay, let's. I'll, I'll take that as a win. And then I turned it around and, um, you know, with it being dark out and cold Saturday night, I, you know, like I say, planned on going to the gym and working, like getting weights and stuff in, but ended up just doing eight miles. And then I took a shower and I hit my head uh, on my locker. <laughs> a rough start, man. You really have. Dude, look at this. Oh, wait. I, I saw the picture. Yeah. It looks much better today. Yeah. Yeah, it's nasty. Um, yeah, I dropped my keys in my locker and I did because I can't. Um, I have to shower at the gym. I hate putting on clean clothes when I'm sweaty and I hate getting in my car when I'm sweaty. So I shower at the gym and I got done showering and I was and I used our wonderful changing rooms, unlike the old men do. But I got back to my locker and I went to grab my keys and I knocked them off the hook and I used one of the lockers that's like the full height of the thing and it fell all the way to the floor and I reached in. And when I came out, I hit my head on the hinge of the locker Ooh. and I'm pretty sure that there was some skin and hair still on the oh. edge of that hinge because yeah, it took a lot off my scalp and it sucked because I was going to cut my hair because it's getting long and I'm trying to look less like I've given up on life. <laughs> not now but i can't do that until this scab goes away and i but yeah it was i had to i was worried i was gonna have to go to the er and get stitches yeah when you showed me the picture it looked uh i asked you like it looks kind of deep you need stitches yeah. it, it wasn't head wounds just always look bad yeah they do but uh yeah so i i've, I've been getting been getting the mileage back up and then yesterday i took a happy day off i was like you know what i'm i need a day off to be where i feel like myself yeah and, uh, you know, I want to day drink and make food and, um, you know, so that's what I it's did. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It should be yeah. a holiday anyway. So why not? But yeah, it's time, it's time to start kicking, uh, training kind of into high gear a little yeah. bit more. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep, especially while I got this time. I mean, Hey, nothing better to do than to just keep running. So how about you? Uh, we don't, we don't have long. You got like three minutes. That's what I took. Uh, you know, it's going well, meat of training, you know, 50 mid fifties mileage wise right now. I've started my intervals, um, had a really, really good long run last week. Um, I, I still can't do some of my runs where I want to, because things are still snowed in. We're finally going to get some warm up this week and next week. So hopefully it's going to open up my options, but you know, I talked last week, like sometimes you almost have to like scout around and just kind of figure out where you can go. Um, but like with running Pittsburgh, I want to be running some hills. And, and luckily, the area close to where I live was, was largely cleared. I had to do some running on the road. Really good hill workout. And it ended up um, it ended up being really good because where I was running, 
Uh, I typically just run eight miles down to the valley and then turn around and run eight miles back up. But at Brexville Road, the path was closed. I don't know what work they were doing. So I had to turn around. And uh, when I got to mile 12, then I had to double back on the course that I'd already run. And like, for whatever reason, mentally, that was like really draining to me. Like, I didn't want to do it. I really just wanted to stop there, go to my car and call the day because it was cold. It was windy. Um, but I did it and it very much kind of mimicked like almost race conditions where you hit those last miles and you're like, I just want this to be done. I, I'm not even enjoying this anymore. I just want to get to the finish line and be done. And so I kind of had to fight through that mental block. And once I did, like it, it ended up being the last three miles were the best miles that I ran that entire time. So it was nice to have the physical and the mental part of kind of some race training going on there. Um, I've really struggled with my tempo work, but I guess I didn't realize, and you know, this is my 12th year running and I'm surprised that I didn't know this, but I didn't realize how much cold can affect your pace. Yeah. You and I talk a lot about heat. Um, and I guess it's probably because this is the earliest marathon in the spring that I've ever trained for. So usually the tempo stuff isn't starting until end of February, beginning of March. But I really struggled with my tempo run the other day. And I'm like, man, like I'm really clawing just to get to my to the low end of my tempo pace. I think some reasons maybe we don't talk about the cold as much as it doesn't have the benefit that the heat does. That's maybe also me true. Mentally, it does like mentally you're you're definitely getting stronger. Yeah. running through some of the cold uh but yeah you're not you're not getting that um that red blood cell um addition that you're getting in uh in in the summer which right. is you know you're mimicking training at altitude we've talked about that so much um but uh yeah it's it is tough it, it is physically a very demanding thing i mean your body is trying to keep yourself warm and yeah, trying to keep your body is trying to keep you from dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> essentially. So like the, the two big things are that you burn through your glycogen source faster just to warm your body up. You know, the act yeah. of shivering and then your blood vessels constrict because it's trying to basically keep your core temperature warm that whole, like, Hey, don't die, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting because like, I, you know, I've been doubting, I guess, where I'm at a little bit in the last couple of weeks. And then after doing a little research and looking at that and you know, still, like I said, it's year 12 and I'm still learning. Um, I feel better now, but I'm also really looking forward to hopefully the next couple of weeks, some warm up, so I can get back to more, I'll say normal training temperatures, but temperatures I've been used to training in for the hard stuff and for a spring marathon and just kind of really get a gauge of where my fitness is at. But I feel like I'm on track. I had physical therapy today and very little that had to be corrected. So I, I feel yeah. as good as I felt in a few years now. That's what we like to hear. I, I yeah. think it's also important to, you know, listen, hearing you kind of be a little discouraged about where you're at, you know, just something that I've said many times to you runners out there is <laughs> you don't train to run badass training runs. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're training to run a badass race. And yeah. so, you know, you're, and it's hard because you want that stuff to seem easy. That's what makes you feel like you're making progress. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not that's not the way success in running isn't linear, and that's just not the way that it works. Um, yeah, it's nice to get some of those runs where you go, okay, this is paying off. I am going to yeah. pay off. But um, yeah, a lot of times it's just hard and it sucks, especially in this weather. Oh my gosh, no! I, or I, or the treadmill. They both they suck equally. It's it's just what do you what are you more willing to? Um, suffer through basically right and for me i don't like suffering through the cold for you you absolutely despise the treadmill yep so 
something you brought up there. I sent you a podcast last week, and I know I have like 30 seconds. Um, I sent you a podcast last week. Uh, Matt Fitzgerald wrote another book. I don't know how he manages to do it all. Um, but he had he had trained with uh, Hoka Nazalit a couple of years ago and, and wrote a first book about his training experience, being trained as a pro and, and the marathon that it led to. Well, he wrote another one with Ben Rosario that's coming out where they basically take a lot of what he learned and apply it to runners like you and me and the listeners that we have just, you know, casual runners who aren't elites. And so they were on a podcast talking about, you know, just some of the things they can apply. And, and Fitzgerald said, one of the things that pro athletes do so much better than, than average runners is when they have a bad workout, they don't look at it and be like, Oh my God, the sky's falling. It's just, it's another day at the office. Yeah. It happens. Sometimes the days are good and sometimes the days are bad. And, you don't have to make any grand conclusions about anything based off of one bad workout. Right. And Sarah Hall is a great follow on that. Yes. Uh, I honestly, I think a lot of the women are like, De- cause Desi talks about it. Your girl, Molly talks about it. Oh, we didn't talk about her bumble experience. That's <laughs> no. So funny. No, don't challenge an Olympic marathoner to a race. Don't, yeah. don't presume that you would be able to beat her. You we hit like it on idiot. our Instagram story. So, <sighs> But yeah, challenge them to a napping contest. So if you suffered through this potpourri of an episode, it really um, was, but that'll be, that'll be, it makes the title and the, <laughs> the episode are easy. Just grab that jeopardy um, category and got myself a, uh, <laughs> myself episode art. So uh, yeah, if you suffered through it, we hope you, uh, you, you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I hope you guys take care, stay warm. Uh, on your favorite podcast platforms, please do like, subscribe, review us, um, and you know, share any experiences you have with us uh, with your with your fellow runners. Um, helps people discover us easier, and maybe we can you know make, help make a difference for somebody else. So, but uh, Adam, I will see you next week where we have a guest next week too. Yes, so yes, we do. Very excited about that one. So make sure you come back next week. Um, and until then, enjoy your mouth. <laughs>